0: Well good evening and once again glad to be together for an evening of uh, study of the Bible in our midweek message and once again this evening going to be turning to John's third letter. A very short letter but a wonderfully practical letter in just guiding us in relationships and we'll see tonight on the topic of missions. And so since we're going to be focusing on missions, I thought it would be good to start with another one of the prayers from uh, Matthew Henry's uh listing or really a compilation of various prayers. And and the one I'd like us to start with tonight is a prayer of confession, just helping us understand something of the lostness of men and women uh, in sin and and of course the wonderful message, the gospel message that is the remedy and the solution, the good news that God Uh, provides for us in His Son, the Lord Jesus. So please bow your heads with me, and we're going to look once again um, at this prayer. It's a prayer of confession. So by nature, our mind is darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in us. Our hearts are blinded. The things of the Spirit of God are foolishness to our nature. We cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned. We are clever about doing evil, but have no clue how to do good. We know nothing correctly. We have lost all capability of understanding. We walk on in darkness. God speaks once, twice, but we're incapable of comprehending what he says. We keep on hearing, but do not understand. We see men as trees walking. And Lord, as we come this evening, just even praying these uh, words of confession, understanding the need of our lostness apart from your grace, apart from the work of our Lord Jesus on the cross of Calvary, all that was accomplished in redemption. And Lord, the blessing, the privilege the, that we have in in being those who are your ambassadors, proclaiming this good news message to men and women. And Lord, knowing that your Holy Spirit is at work uh, convincing men and women and children and converting them uh, to believing in uh, in you and, and following you. So again this evening we just commit this study to you. We do pray that our time together would be of great value and Lord that it would really be an honor and uh, a blessing Lord to many and, and, and really an honor to you in Jesus name. Amen. So I want to read the passage, and uh, we're going to look, and and it's verses 5 to 8 this evening. Now, last week I read the entire letter. We'll be a bit different tonight. And I'm only going to read just uh, those few verses that we're going to consider. So John the Elder, uh, John the Apostle, same person, writing, he says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing uh, you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So just so far in the reading of God's word, and we are going to uh, have an outline this evening. I hope I'm going to be able to uh, show this outline to you this evening as we move through this uh, a particular passage. And I do want us tonight to think about uh, missions, uh, missionaries and, and the local church as, as we have a responsibility. We, see, we will see in this passage tonight and of course in the broader scope uh, of the Bible that we ought to embark on this particular task uh, having thought through uh, that which is given to us in the Bible. And, and certainly this passage tonight gives us uh, so much insight uh, guidance and direction with regard uh, to the task uh, of missions we always need to be examining we always need to be discerning that that which we are doing is going to be in line with what god is pleased with it's not just the question of going ahead and 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 sending a missionary It's about, well, how do we do it? What kind of missionary, what kind of person should be a missionary? What should that person be doing in the task that they are sent to do? So John, yeah, in this passage, he commends his friend. Remember, his dear friend Gaius, uh, he commends him in the way that he has been treating some visiting Evangelists, some men and women—we we don't know the details—had uh, come uh, into their particular context, the the town, and uh, they came to do gospel ministry. And 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 while they're doing that work, guys responds in a certain way. We read in verse five, uh, beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers. So, so there's Gaius responding. He's, he's ministering to these people, to these strangers, to these gospel workers. And he says, strangers as they are, so he did not even know them, who testified to your love before the church. Obviously gone back and, and just shared of the kindness uh, that Gaius showed to them. Now I do need to clarify right at the beginning that this Uh, passage this letter is to an individual Gaius and these efforts that are being commended are commended to him Uh, it's John commending his friend but in that commendation I believe we can draw some practical application Uh, Gaius is is yes he's part of a local church but he's acting here as a particular as an individual and so this one man ministers to these gospel workers These gospel workers are away from the home situation and he treats them and he treats them the important thing in a way that that attracts the commendation of the apostle John. And I believe that we can take that commendation and we can uh, expand on it. We can uh, apply it and massage it into our situation for our benefit, giving us, I think, insight into a missions methodology. Uh, how how ought we to handle the issue of of missions? Uh, those who are involved in evangelism, in gospel ministry. Now we have in the past uh, made various statements in the church, and one of those statements is that it is our desire to glorify God in all of life, and that means we want to do missions in a way that is worthy uh, of God, and uh, to do everything we can. Uh, in excellence for the, for the cause that he has called us to do. So the point that I'm going to be dealing with tonight is there certainly is a right way to get involved with missionaries, whether they be visiting in our congregation or whether we be sending them out in application from this passage. But there's also, and we'll be able to glean from this passage tonight, a right way to go as missionaries. And then you have these two uh, parties, uh, the missionaries on the one hand, the evangelists, if you like, and you have the church on the other hand. And, And so we also want to look this evening and see yes, there's also a right way in which these parties are to work together. How does the church work together with those who go? We do need to do this because there's so many ideas and thoughts and views and policies and agendas when it comes to this role on task of missions. But I'd love us to always be examining the scriptures and say, well, how can we improve what we're doing? How can we learn from what we are taught uh, in the Bible? And so I want to begin right at the beginning, and I want to begin with the church. And in application, uh, uh, or in terms of what Gaius is doing. Uh, let's learn from this brother. And and my first point this evening is simply uh, sending in a manner worthy of God. That That is the most important thing we ought to be thinking. When we are sending or perhaps even receiving, as Gaius did, we need to do it in a manner worthy of God. And I want to begin right at the beginning to show you that this phrase um, in the context given to us to send on the way or on their way is a phrase that is repeated a number of times. In fact, I counted nine times in the New Testament in a missions context. So the Apostle John urging guys to be a sender to send them on their journey. So, well, let us take that into our context. And and again, we can make a point here. And the point is local churches get involved in sending. That's that's what we ought to do. In fact, at Central, we do send. We have sent missionaries. Well, this phrase that I mentioned that occurs nine times in the New Testament. Let me give you some examples. Acts chapter 15 and verse 3. So being sent on the way, that is Paul and Barnabas, by the church, They passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in details the conversion of the Gentiles. They were on a missionary journey. They were busy with a mission task. And it's clear that the church had sent them on their way. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 1 and verse 16. Again, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Do, do, do you see this, this responsibility, this privilege that the church has in getting involved with those who are particularly focused on, on, on missions, on the task of making disciples, on the task of passing on the baton of the gospel message and of faith? We have another one in Titus chapter 3 and verse 13. Do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See That they lack nothing. So, my point right at the outset is simply that we think about the responsibility we have. Uh, Missions is not an option. Uh, We know the Great Commission, uh, Jesus sending his disciples out uh, as you go, making disciples of the nation. So, the church must be involved in sending people. There there, there is a a responsibility. There's a partnership. We're going to speak about that a little bit later in this message. But certainly it's something that is not optional. It's not something that that applies just to a a certain group of people who have a particular passion for missions. It's the church. It is the body of Christ. All of us together uh, involved in this task of sending. Well, I want to comment next on the fact that uh, God is worthy of the local church's best efforts. Now, this is probably a superfluous or unnecessary statement. We ought to know this. It should be uppermost in our minds. Surely, we always need to be doing everything, anything we do in excellence uh, for God. But let's think about it with regards to missions having a missionary, sending a missionary supporting a missionary praying for a missionary whatever we do uh, ought to be done in an excellent way so we we don't want to ever be involved in this task of missions in a sloppy or unthinking way in 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 something that is just a a kind of an appendage to what we do in the church in verse 6 John writes "There you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God this doing things in excellence in a manner worthy of God applies to all of life, not just to the task of missions. And I thought, well, let me touch on a few scriptures. Uh, this established uh, a command uh, applied to all of us as believers. Let's give an example, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. Well, you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you, and encouraged and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. That that means everything, everything. Walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. There are more verses, Ephesians 4 verse, verse 1. I therefore as a prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. He's calling us. God is calling us. Colossians 1 verse 10, we have not ceased to pray for you so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, that's something we ought to do. We ought to be striving, we ought to be stretching in our efforts, ourselves, in, in every single compartment. But if the focus tonight is in the area Of missions, and we're still speaking about the subject of sending, sending missionaries in a manner worthy of God. Perhaps you're asking the question, and and uh, we can consider it. Why? Why is God worthy? Well, He's God. He's the one true. And only living God, and and we can start speaking about something of His attributes: that he's all powerful, that, that he's majestic, that that is holy, that that is he's, that he's self sufficient, that that is loving, and 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 much more that that He has told us about Himself. He's He's the Creator of all things, uh, creating the world and everything that exists out of nothing. And and so why is He worthy? He's God. We are the creatures. We are his creatures. And, and sadly, sadly, so often we forget that and, and we, we domesticate our thinking about who God is instead of remembering that he is this transcendent uh, God that, that is infinite and, and eternal. And, and so the, the danger is that we, we live and we do things at times that do not reflect or doesn't respect the fact that God is worthy. I found an illustration and uh, I think uh, it's worth sharing. Uh, a man by the name of Charles Misner. He was a, a, a scientist and uh, his specialty is specialist in general relative theory. And he made a comment, he expressed that Albert Einstein uh, had expressed skepticism over the church, and and then he, he shares the words, and I'm going to share these words, that should waken us to the shallowness, sometimes the perception that people have of the way we think about and speak about and the way we live in respect to God. This is the comment, the comment, the quote. The design of the universe is very magnificent and should never be taken for granted. In fact... I believe that is why Einstein has so little use of organized religion. Although he strikes me as a basically religious man, he must have looked at what the preachers said about God and felt they were blaspheming. In other words, his perception could have been that these preachers did not reflect something of the majestic grandeur and greatness and transcendence of God. Uh, speaking of Einstein Meisner says he says he had seen so much more majesty than they had ever imagined, speaking of the universe and of course his scientific ability and theory of relativity and 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 therefore, when he compared what he saw and what the preachers were describing he he felt they were just not talking about the real thing. My guess is that he simply felt that the religions he 'd run across did not have proper respect for the author of the universe. Let's not forget God, the God we serve. It is he that has been eternal in the past. It is he that Genesis 1 1 tells us in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So why why is God worthy? He's God. And and so the way we live, the way we send Uh, missionaries ought to reflect something of our respect and understanding and honor of the majesty and glory of God well on their way in a manner worthy of God and uh, remember again we're speaking about the church and the question is how do we send them well we're going to speak about this now in terms of doing it in a manner worthy of God go to another passage in Titus chapter 3 and verse 13 do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Giving us some practical detail about sending. Sending is not just about a pat on the back and uh, a prayer and off you go. No, no. Practically, sending is something we get involved in doing. In, in participating in the support, in the infrastructure that, that, that enables the missionary or the evangelist to do his or her work. It must be all inclusive. Notice uh, what Paul says to Titus, so that they lack nothing. Now, we can't do that all ourselves. I know that. But corporately, but to do things corporately, it means we have to do things individually. It means we can join hands with other churches in in partnership with other individuals. We can uh, participate with missions, organizations. But we need to be sure we need to be uh, seriously involved, constructively involved, ensuring that when the missionary gets out onto the field, that there is support to get them there, support to keep them there, and, and not just to keep them living. The important thing is to ensure that they keep doing their jobs that they're not distracted that they're able to uh, have their, their needs met whether it be accommodation or clothing or medical or communication or literature their needs need to be met and it will cost us as a as a church there's no doubt about it it will cost us as individuals but the constituency is the church and it's amazing when we hold hands together how much more we can do. Every believer, younger people, young adults, older people, as we give money, as we pray together, as we send messages, as we provide any kind of support that is necessary, we do so in a manner that then is worthy of, of God. Well, I want to move on now and I want to think, uh, get us thinking a little bit about the missionary and and we've been speaking about the church, but what, what about the person, the individual? And I've put that under the heading, going for the sake of the name. Now, do we get behind everybody or anybody that puts their hand up and says they have a call to go? Well, my answer is no. There ought to be a process, a discerning process an evaluating process whereby the individual's call and ability is, 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 is assessed. And, and there's recognition uh, by the eldership of the church, by the church at large, that yes, this person manifests the right kind of uh, gifting, uh, the right kind of humility and, and godliness and, and and will be a useful servant in the field, a person who is clearly uh, able to demonstrate that they have a call uh, from God uh, to do this. So John says here in verse 7, For they have gone out for the sake of the name. Bottom line, and I feel really strongly about this, Only those who go out for the sake of the name ought to be support it. That really, for me, is a definition of a proper missionary understood in biblical terms. Somebody who goes out for the sake of the name and, of course, dependent on God. Well, it means that we do need to give some consideration to motives. What then is the right motive for going on mission now motives are so difficult to establish in any one person only god knows the secret recesses of our own and individual hearts uh, we 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 don't know god is all knowing we have limited understanding but from what we see and from what we teach there is certainly a motive motives that need to be challenged and and considered in Uh, This process of deciding and finally sending a a missionary. And in this process, we we ask for discernment. We examine the scriptures. We pray for the Spirit's leading. But let me give you some, uh, some very sad motives that are prevalent at times in those who go. First one I've called Christian Tourism. Sadly, there are those who see missions as an opportunity to explore the world. And on the back of the support of a local church and friends and family and other partners, they explore and have adventures to the ends of the earth, never getting involved in the actual task of gospel ministry, in seeing the conversion of men and women and children, and even the establishment of a local congregation. And so we must look very carefully to be sure that there aren't those in our midst who put up their hands under the guise of missions and they simply want to tour the world. It might be an exciting option, but it's a misplaced motive. Secondly, there are those who go uh, who have as their goal merely humanitarian aid and goodwill as their motive. Now, of course, it's a good thing to help those in need. There are people in the world, there are tribes, there are nations that uh, need medical attention. There are those that need uh, food and and water and clean water. And and yes, these are are great things to do. They are great. uh, even. It's great to be equipped in these different things as, as a means to get onto the field. But it must never stop short of gospel ministry. If, it, if, it, if it's medical aid, then the medical aid needs to lead to sharing the gospel, teaching the scriptures, showing the love of Christ, teaching about the death of Jesus in uh, uh, on the cross and and his resurrection on the third day thereafter and his ascension into heaven and the fact that redemption has been accomplished and that there is good news for lost sinners it's no use just giving somebody a tablet and solving a temporal need and not giving them and and helping them to see and praying that the spirit would convert them through the gospel I've also seen, and again, this is another motive that we need to watch. I've called it employment. It does happen. It has happened when when someone runs out of so-called secular options that they see missions as a convenient job. Where income is from well-meaning and sometimes, sad to say, gullible believers. So we've got to watch that. It's not just an employment opportunity. There needs to be a task uh, carried out. And we're going to get to that uh, as well. Material gain. And uh, we've seen this in Second Corinthians. Paul makes it clear that we are not to peddle the word of God for profit. And, and so there ought not to be the goal of, of wanting to be an itinerant kind of philosopher or religious expert who simply, who simply exploits uh, a constituency in raking in rands and sins. Well, I come to the right motive that we find now in uh, what John shares with us. The right motive is love for the name and the glory of God. Verse 7, they have gone out for the sake of the name. Yes, the, the early church used the name as a synonym For Christ, for Jesus. And therefore, men and women ought to go out in mission, in ministry, only for the sake of the name. For Christ, representing all of of who he is, what the Bible teaches us about who he is, and what he has accomplished. And the message, the message that therefore needs to be proclaimed, the good news that needs to be shared. And so the name is Christ in his person and Christ in his work. It's calling people to faith in Christ and doing so in in the effort and and goal to glorify God. Like the Apostle Paul, to bring about, as he speaks in the beginning of Romans chapter 1, to bring about the obedience of faith. That's the reason we've sent our missionaries out, whether it be to Japan or North Africa or Central Asia or South America, they ought to be a focus in bringing about the obedience of faith, men and women responding to the gospel. If they're not doing that, they may as well come home. We, we must urge them. We must keep them accountable. They must do it for the sake of his name. i read the passage in case you don't know it. In Romans chapter 1 verse 5, "...through him and for his name's sake..." We received grace and apostleship, this is Paul speaking, to call people from among the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Going is not about a man-centered effort. It's God-centered. Love and obedience that we want to see in our own lives as we go and also in the lives of others who receive the gospel message. Well, I get to my third point now, and I want to speak about the two parties and our relationship. The, the church sending in a manner worthy of God. Uh, the, the missionary going for the sake of the name. But now thirdly, working together for the truth. Verse 8. Therefore we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for truth. There's another problem. We're fellow workers sometimes for the wrong things. Fellow workers for the truth, that's that's the bottom line. In sending and going, there's a working together, there's a partnership, there's a sender, there's a goer, the partnership, yes, must be in the context of a warm and friendly relationship, as we see uh, with guys, uh, showing hospitality and kindness and generosity, but there's a purpose. There's definitely a clear purpose. We work together so that we may be fellow workers for the truth. As partners, we are involved in the propagation of the gospel. Now, the gospel in the broader sense of the entire canon of Scripture, Genesis through to Revelation, and the gospel in a focused sense, the specific accomplishment of God's redeeming work through Christ on the cross. And that is the message, that is the purpose. Jesus is the truth. And so any person who's not willing to embrace that truth and share that truth must be excluded from partnership. Support withdrawn. We want only to do that. And so, folk, a message tonight, perhaps just a bit of refreshing, uh, I hope, material for us to think about as far as missions and our responsibility as the church goes. And and yes, we, we ought to be involved. You must be involved. I must be involved in my own personal capacity. And then together, as we, as we share together in partnership in the local church, as we contribute to a missions budget, as we contribute to the church's budget, we in fact are doing that so that we together can support men and women who go out. But to do so with a a God-centered, God-glorifying passion. Send them on a way worthy of God. Uh, Do it with the right kind of partner uh, so that it's done for the sake of the name of God, with a relational connectedness. This is not just about the missionary on the field or the church back at home. It's us together for the sake of the name uh, for that particular purpose. And so, yes, as a study tonight, the question has got to be, will you be involved? Are you involved? Am I involved? Can we be more involved? What what else can we do? And later on in the year, our missions committee is currently uh, planning and preparing a missions conference. And we're going to be uh, uh, promoting the cause of missions and uh, trying to see whether we can raise the bar in our efforts of mission work. Um, AJ uh, Mayring is, is, uh, and Avon are back from Japan and at that particular time they'll be among us and AJ is going to be and has agreed to be our, our speaker uh, for that weekend. So we look forward uh, to that as well. Now I do have some questions and uh, uh, perhaps you could just take a note of those, take a picture perhaps with your, your phone and uh, yeah, let's be practical. Remind the group of who the missionaries are who are sent out from Central. Uh, Speak about the fact, why must the local church have a clear missions methodology? And then considering those uh, three matters that are raised tonight, are we at Central sending in a manner worthy of God? Are the missionaries we've sent going for the sake of the name? Are we working together for the truth? And then just to wrap up, you can also spend some time just praying for the missionaries that we have sent out uh, into the world. Let me pray. Lord, we do pray that you would stir in our hearts, thinking even of those words of the Apostle Paul, that the love of Christ compels us. And and Lord, may that be so. All that, that has been demonstrated. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes will not perish. May that message, Lord, resonate and move us, compel us, motivate us to the ends of the earth. And we pray, Lord, in this, that your name would be exalted, that people would be saved. And in this, Lord, we are grateful for the privilege of our involvement. And you be with each one of us as we continue in this week, as we pray it in that name of Jesus. Amen.